Warning! This episode contains foul language and may cause phobias for laundry rooms and barbecues. Listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, scary, creepy, sticky, gross, and everything in between. Each week, we grab a friend or coworker and talk about something weird. My name is Lauren, and this is my co-host Ashley. Hi, weirdos. Hey, hey. Um, this week, however, we do not have a special guest with us mm-hmm. because this is our fourth official listener ghost stories episode. Listener ghost stories. It's our favorite. And also, today marks the recording of our 20th episode. Episode 20! Keep it weird. We were not going to count the mini-sode, but then we decided, yes, we were. That mini-sode was not mini at all. It was like 15 minutes long. No, so that's and it was episode. solid. You and Jimmy killed it on that mini-sode, so yeah, we it's worth it. Yeah, I'm proud of us. I know, 20, 20 episodes. episodes. Congrats, I'm throwing confetti like I did in our text message oh my gosh. about your bathroom trip. Yes, did you? I, I was so excited. I didn't know that that happened. I was, Lauren texted me earlier and was like, I'm outside your house, just so you know. I'm like talking to, on the phone with my mom, so I'll be in soon. And I was like, it's fine, I'm pooping on the toilet. Um, And then I immediately, when I got up from the toilet, texted her, I was like, now I'm off the toilet. So and she said, congrats. But when I opened it, I got all the confetti, because uh-huh. apparently that's a thing that happens. It's just automatic. If you say congrats or happy birthday, confetti and balloons just what? go. So congrats on your poop, Ashley. <laughs> confetti for all, and confetti for our 20th episode. It was episode. the best. It was a great moment. It was. It's the little things that get you through the day. It is, you know. You're right. Um, yeah, we're proud. Uh, and we're also officially owners of the business name, Keep, Keep it, it Weird, weird. Yeah. which is really exciting. I've we're never owned anything official. in my life. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, I'm really excited. It feels so officially official. Like yes. We own Keep It Weird. This is us. I know. This is us. This is our thing. We love it. And we it. have t-shirts. We have two of them. They're not uh-huh. for sale. <laughs> they're for us. But, you know, in they're the future, one day t-shirts will be available for you, the listeners. But for now, um, we're going to be now, a little selfish. We're just, yeah, we're just going to wear them around and... When people ask, we'll be like, that's my podcast. And then people are like, cool. You should listen. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Maybe. See you later. Um. Also, we should talk about, Uh. well, it's going to be tonight for you guys, but for us, it's in two days. Lauren has a show. Yay. I'm in a band called Dr. Spaceman. Yes, um, it's a 30 Rock reference. It is a 30 Rock reference. You may have heard of Dr. Spichemin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we're just kind of. Tracy Morgan's version of that. We're a cover band, so we play all the fan favorites from yeah, but they are 70s, so 80s, 90s. Good. It's so fun to watch. It's a super fun show. It's all songs you know. It's it's nonstop dancing the entire uh-huh. night. We literally play for three and a half hours every yeah, it's show. Just bonkers. nonstop. My voice always hurts the next day, but <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah, when this airs, it'll be Friday. So the show is tonight, Friday at the Hermosa Saloon, which mm-hmm. is on the PCH in Hermosa Beach. 
And before you get scared off, Angelinos, by here. Oh, hello, oh, Gabby. Oh, hi, Gabby. Gabby's really excited for it, too. Yeah, she's coming to the show. Um, before you get scared by Hermosa Beach, I have had several <laughs> friends come to the show, and they all report after, oh, Hermosa is so much closer than I thought. They all say it, and especially at nighttime, you're in no traffic. So you can get yeah. there in, like, 30 minutes, maybe 40. I haven't been it's to great. Hermosa Saloon yet. But well, you came to show, Santa Monica. I came, yeah, I came to, we were at Trip in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was there a, lot. a blast. Yeah, I had so much fun that night that you came. That was one of the good ones. And you stayed all night till yes. the bitter end. Uh-huh, I did. Was I was not leaving the front row. So come check out Dr. Spaceman Hermosa Saloon tonight, 9.30. Come get your drink on. Also, it's free. No cover, and the drinks there are so cheap. Like, dirt Cause cheap. Because it's Hermosa. Because <laughs> it's Hermosa Beach. <laughs> exactly. And it's such a dive. It's super divey. It looks like we're playing in someone's basement. Like, there's not <laughs> even a stage. We're just on the ground amongst the bar patrons. It's great. You should go. I'll post it on uh, our Facebook page, too. Do it. Um, yes. Um, should we go into our news segment? This week in Weird! 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 Your sweet angelic voice was Yeah, I'm an angel. That's what, that's how most people describe my voice. It was just so soft and nice. I really enjoyed, last week, I really enjoyed Tyler's. Did you Weird. Weird. It was so quiet. It's like, if you're going to chime in, maybe a little more power. But then, hearing it back on the recording, it was pretty good. Yeah, it was good. I liked it a lot. Um, this Week in Weird. Hello. Um, I have a couple. Um, this isn't, I, well, it's not really news. But Natalie, one of our uh, listeners that you've heard, of, uh, heard from before, uh, she's the one that has the graves in her backyard. No big. <laughs> she texted me the other day. She was very excited. I didn't know about this. Apparently, there's a Friday the 13th video game. What? Yes. came out last month. It's called Friday Friday the 13th The Game. Uh, in it, you can either play one of the Crystal Lake camp counselors, or you can play Jason Voorhees. <gasps> that is so fun. Um, from what I read, it sounds like Until Dawn. Uh, but it sounds like Until Dawn meets, what's that Star Wars one, Battlefront, where, like, you play online with people? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a third-person horror survival game where you can either team up with six other unlucky souls to do anything possible to escape and survive while Jason tries to track you down and kill you, or you could play Jason, stalking and killing your prey. Uh, you'll even be able to unlock various incarnations of Jason from the movies. The focus of the game is multiplayer. Uh, survival tactics is totally up to you whether or not you hide from the killer or work together as a team to try and escape. Oh my god. Or you can even choose to fight back and try and like fight and kill Jason. I love um, it. The game takes place on Camp Crystal Lake in the 80s. That is so cool. Wait, wanted... so how do we play this? Uh, it's on Xbox One, Steam, and I think PS4. Okay, we're going to have to have a game play. I don't party. know if it's... Yes, we are. I want to play it um, real bad. I don't know if it is something where you have to have... Because like, I know Star Wars Battlefront, I'm pretty sure you can play online with mm-hmm. like a bunch of people from wherever... Yeah, uh, and I know you can do that in Friday the Thirteenth, but I don't know if you ha- if that's like your only option, right. or if you can also just play on a game system, like on like with you know just like I guess the other characters being like computers. I don't okay. I don't really know exactly how it works. All right, um, to I'm gonna have to that. look into it. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. I know. I, I love it. it. I have a news story I yeah. can throw in, please. 
The Anomalist, which is a paranormal online newspaper for world news regarding the paranormal, unexplained and bizarre, had an article titled, Large Winged Humanoid Encountered Again in Lincoln Park, Chicago. Hey! Um, what? Is it the Mothman? Um, it sounds exactly like it. So, first of all, Ashley and I are both from Illinois and have been to Chicago on several occasions, and I got married in Lincoln Park, so who, who where, what? why? Um, reports are continuing, continuing, so this is not the first time, reports are continuing to be called in to authorities and emailed to Lon Stickler, who runs the website Phantoms and Monsters, colon, Pulse of the Paranormal. Um, complete strangers on separate occasions have spotted a human-sized bat sailing the night skies of the Chicago area. The reports came in on Saturday, June 3rd, and Sunday, June 4th. So far, no one has reported seeing the creature hunt or eat or purge itself of whatever it may have eaten, and the beast seems to be satisfying itself with simply scaring the bejesus out of onlookers on the ground below. It is described as a large black creature with wings that resemble a bat. There are no feathers on this creature, and it looks like it could be a dark, human-like being simply with bat wings attached. Most of the witnesses claim to have seen the creature only blocks apart from each other, so watch out, Lincoln Park community. And then again, there seems to be a complete absence of video or photos taken, which means we can't decide if this whole thing is a complete hoax. But whatever you believe, if you live in Chicago, watch out for a fucking Batman (laughs) that is not Bruce Wayne and is not going to save your town from death and destruction. Well, I have two things to say about that. Yes. One, speaking of winged creatures in Lincoln Park, at your wedding... Your wedding took place in, like, a nature museum, Museum. Mm -hmm. and there was a butterfly habitat, Yeah, and I was drunk, Uh and I went into the butterfly habitat. What happened? I have never been so scared in my life. I didn't realize I was afraid of butterflies, Uh (laughs) but apparently I am. I don't think I'm afraid of butterflies, but I am afraid of a hundred million butterflies. Sure flying around me while I'm drunk. Yes. I ran through that habitat like a mad woman. <laughs> and every I I, I, I felt like they were that. all touching me. Yeah. Well, some of them they do land on you. Yeah. They're not scared of people at all, and that's what we thought would be cool about it, like during our cocktail I hour. I bet it would be cool if we hadn't been drinking since 10 a.m. If you weren't drunk and yeah. if they all weren't swarming you and trying to take your life. I but, made it you know. about halfway through and then I was like <laughs> No. Get these things away from me! And like I ran wish out. I had been in there with you. That yeah. sounds like a some of your family moment. got to witness it. So Good, they're very that was lucky. Really great. So, um, two, I will say, as someone who has witnessed uh, a giant, cr- scary creature flying through the yeah, sky, I thought of you when I read this. <laughs> um, there's even if I had been, I feel like even if I had been old enough to have a phone with a camera on it, at the time when you're seeing something that you're like, what is that? What the fuck is that? Yeah. Holy shit. What? Uh, by the time you've processed what you're seeing and how you can't be seeing that thing, it's gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then all you have is, I saw a giant creature flying above yeah. me in this sky. And you don't know what to do. You don't yeah. have time to grab your phone. You don't have time to yeah. hit someone and say, what is that? Because your mind is still trying to grasp. Yeah. What the fuck what is, is it? Yeah. I mean, they even, uh, you know, they talk about it in um, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where they're like, you know, 
how many times have you been able to take a picture of like a car accident as it's happening? Right. Or a plane crash as no, it's happening? No, of course. By the time you process what's happening, unless you're like a, ph- a nature photographer or yeah. like a, like a disaster photographer, sure. by the time the normal person processes what the fuck is going on, mm-hmm. that thing is over. Totally. So, and when, so it, when these reports come in and they're like, there's no evidence, I'm like, I don't doubt it. Right. That's if the I thing is. If I saw a giant bat, I'd be like. I wouldn't. I'd be able to grab my phone. I'd panic. Poop my pants. Mm-hmm. Probably faint. Probably faint. And then wake up and be like, shoot, I got a picture. I should have really grabbed from my phone. I know. I. It doesn't take much to convince me. I mean, I think if people reported seeing this on separate occasions, I think there's reason to believe it Something's somewhat. There. Um, yeah, so I buy the story. I don't need to have a video because I completely agree. I think grabbing for my phone would be the last thing on my mind while I'm simply in shock and yeah. trying to understand what's in the sky. Of course, then so. I wouldn't put my phone down for like a week, just right. in, case in case I ran into old, old baddie. Old baddie in the old sky. Old baddie. Um, so one of our friends is back, Bigfoot. Woo! Uh, in North Carolina group says that they are hot on Bigfoot's trail. They're so sure, in fact, that they've set up a Bigfoot 911 hotline to uh, for people to report sightings. The group from McDowell County in North Carolina has been tracking the creature for more than a decade and claim that they finally have proof that Bigfoot is in the state. They have been narrowing down their search and sharing photos of their findings on the Bigfoot 911 Facebook page. Uh, Footprints, gash marks in trees, unexplained formations, audio clips of howling, and of course photos of what they claim is Bigfoot himself. Apparently, there's been an increase of Bigfoot sightings in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, as people are reporting seeing Bigfoot in their backyard. Nope. That's crazy. <laughs> That's just like the story that uh, uh, George, George told, told us. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking of that. Um, the Bigfoot 911 Facebook page is a closed group. Uh, I didn't think that they would uh, accept my request to join, but they did. Pretty nice. fascinating. Some people are reporting that along with the wood knocking and howling, they hear whispers and voices of children in the woods. Pardon? Yeah. There are a ton of strange tree formations, like slightly larger than snappable branches, uh, taken from trees and formed into triangle shapes that seem like landmarks of some kind. Uh, and even that looks like uh, what looks like man-made or beast-made barricades. Mm-hmm. Researchers have been leaving apples out and finding them gone in the morning. But it's the woods, so yep. they're probably going to be gone in the morning. Right. But it's like straight-up Blair Witch shit. Oh my People gosh. are reporting. Um, they have pictures on the site. I think that if you request to join the Facebook or the uh, Bigfoot 911 page, I think this was called Bigfoot 911 Facebook page. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they will grant you requests as long as you aren't joining the page to, like, make fun of anyone. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I think that's you'd be just removed what immediately yeah. if you were Well, because I thought things. maybe because I was, you know, it says I live in Los Angeles that I wouldn't get access to it because sure. they're in North Carolina. And it's right. basically they, they started the page so that people in North Carolina can write their reports in. Okay. But there's all kinds of cool stuff. There's like, like I said, there's like thin, thin trees or like really thick branches that have been snapped from trees. And like they're, they're formed into like these triangle shapes with like one across. It's almost like some sort of like landmark or something yeah. uh, that people are finding when they go out. 
to like hunt for Bigfoot or go on walks or whatever. What I would do if I whispers saw that. of children. Nope, that's fucking weird. I don't like that's it. That's real weird. I've never heard. There that was before. also a woman who, and she showed a picture. Um, they were hunting for Bigfoot, or they were doing one of their like searches or whatever, and um, something threw a rock at them. Like started throwing rocks at them. Jeez. And they couldn't see where the rocks were coming from or who was throwing them. But she actually had a picture of the rock and a picture. She said it felt like a baseball hit her in the chest. Like she had a picture mm-hmm. of her chest and the shirt. And you could see the, the spot where the rock hit her chest and yeah. also like the spot on her chest, like the red spot on her. Whoa. Yeah. And they just have no idea what was throwing it. Well, Bigfoot. <laughs> well, it's for sure Bigfoot. <laughs> that's so scary. I to get know. hit with a rock as Yeah, you're well, that's along. one of the things that a lot of, like, Bigfoot encounters say is that even George's story, they throw rocks. Yeah. Um, there was, oh, God, I saw a video once online of hunters who, they were staying in a cabin. They were, I don't think they were out there to hunt Bigfoot, but it was in an area where Bigfoot was seen multiple times and... They were in their cabin, and all of a sudden, their cabin started getting pelted with rocks. And I mean, like, it sounded like it was hailing. Like, there were so Jeez. many rocks being thrown at their cabin. And they there was no one out there. They had no idea who threw the rocks. What on earth? But when they went out there, there were rocks, like, all Everywhere. over the porch. Yeah. And they were big rocks. They weren't, like, little rocks. Do you think Bigfoot is throwing them out of anger, or is he just like, rocks? I... <laughs> rocks are my favorite. Rocks are fun. Um... I think that if it is Bigfoot throwing rocks, I think that's just sort of a territorial thing. Sure. Like, you get too close to maybe, like, it's young. If it is if mm. it is an animal, you get too close to it's young and it's going to throw rocks or something. Or it's territory or I don't know. Yeah. He's just pissed. <laughs> He's just pissed. Just pissed He's just off. over it. <laughs> um, I have one more story. Uh, how much do you know about Roswell? Do you know quite a bit about Roswell? Like, a little bit. Um, well, a lot happened, but so basically in July, 1947, several hundred people reported seeing a UFO and the military actually announced in a press release that it found the remains of a crashed flying saucer in the desert nearby. So of course people went apeshit. Mm -hmm. They went berserk and the next day, uh, the military retracted the statement claiming it was a damaged U.S. Air Force balloon. Uh, but since then... At least a hundred, probably hundreds of people have come forward claiming it was not a weather balloon, that they either witnessed the UFO, the crash, or even saw bodies taken from the craft, or even there's been, like, nurses from the area who claimed that they were part of the team that helped, you know, observe the bodies and, yeah, like, try and that. take care of the bodies, yeah. etc. Well, last week a book came out called UFOs Today, 70 Years of Lies, Disinformation, and Government Cover-Up by Dr. Irina Scott. In it, there's a transcript of an interview with 81-year-old Charles Forgus, former deputy chef of a small chef. He was a deputy chef, so he wasn't like the lead oh, chef, right, but he right, was right. A, but the deputy. He was the deputy he still, chef. He still got to toss a salad. Um, deputy sheriff of a small town in Texas who witnessed the legendary UFO crash in the desert town nearly 70 years ago. Uh, this interview takes place in 1999. Okay. Uh, there's a couple short video clips of it online. So today he would have, I think he passed away. Today he would have okay. been 99. At the time he was 81. Anyways. Mr. Forgus claimed to have been driving with another sheriff or chef from Texas to Roswell to pick up a prisoner on the night of the alleged crash. When details of the incident came over the police radio, 
Uh, they were nearby, so they immediately went to the crash site. He claims he saw a perfectly round saucer that reportedly crashed into a canyon after it appeared to have hit a sidewall. He saw about four beings around five feet tall with large eyes, and he noted that their feet were like ours. Huh. Uh, he said their skin was brownish and that he did not see any blood on the bodies. Uh, the bodies were being picked up by a lift attached to a crane and swung into a truck, like on a, um, like a, what's that called? What's like a paramedic's body bed thing called? A gurney? Yeah, like, yeah, thank it? you. Yeah, a gurney. Hello, it's a gurney. <laughs> a gurney. Um, <laughs> he said there were about three or four hundred military people there. He didn't know from which branch exactly, but said they were definitely not Air Force. Uh, he and the sheriff watched for a while, saw them load the craft on a truck and haul it away. They wouldn't let us get very close to it either, he said. The military eventually told them they needed to leave, and he was visited days later by someone in the military and told that it was simply an air balloon, to which he says, why would an air balloon warrant a trip all the way to Texas to tell a witness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so apparently, like, days later... One of the military personnel came all the way to Texas to like debrief him, I guess. And yeah. was like, it's a, it was a weather balloon. It's like, okay, no. I would have believed it until you drove all the way to fucking Texas right. to tell me that it was a weather balloon. Exactly. Now I'm like, really? Cool. Well, that's not fishy. <laughs> yeah. It was probably not a weather balloon. I love, uh, I love Roswell. I love that stuff. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, Roswell was uh, Roswell and the uh, the Phoenix Lights as mm-hmm. well. There's a new movie coming out. I think it's called the Phoenix Light or Phoenix Tapes or Phoenix Forgotten. Is that what it is? Isn't that? I Maybe. Like, it might not be the same, but I swear it's I saw footage. a billboard that said the Phoenix Forgotten. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's a found I could be footage movie about all. the events that took place. The Phoenix Lights events that took place. Sorry, I want to look this up. Yeah, really quick. Phoenix Forgotten. Let's see if it's the same thing. It's probably like a soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, several mysterious lights appeared over Phoenix in 1997. Yes. yes. That's what it is. Cool, Phoenix cool, forgotten. Cool. When's it come out? Oh, mm-hmm. that phone yep, again. But I threw it down. It, oh, it came out April 21st. What? <laughs> yeah. It came out already? It says release date April 21st, 2017. Yep. Well. So, so we're we probably telling it. you old news, everyone, <laughs> and you've all watched it already and think swear. we're assholes. I could have swore I was, like, keeping an, keeping my eyes peeled. I was going to say, when you mentioned it just now, I do remember seeing that billboard a long time ago. Well. <laughs> well, well, we'll have to we'll have to watch it and catch up with the rest of the world. Maybe that's a glitch in the Matrix. Maybe it actually <gasps> dun, was released dun, dun, later dun. on another timeline. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I remember the timeline where it was released later this year. Mandela Effect. You're misremembering <laughs> and you, maybe other people think it came out <laughs> next week. Um, love it all. Wonderful. Uh, that's all I have for this week in Weird. I do Yay. have some listener feedback, which is pretty interesting. I love um, feedback. So this is from listener uh, Mackenzie. She wrote in while she was listening to episode 16, part two, which was our episode about uh, 90s serial killers. And she said, had to do some research. I already knew a lot about uh, Rafael Ramirez, but I couldn't place why it sounded so familiar. My dad was still a cop for Centralia back then. So I texted him and asked what he knew about Ramirez to make sure I wasn't fake remembering things. Turns out, I wasn't. A family in Ina, Illinois, which was about 40 minutes away from our hometown, 
was murdered in their trailer in 1987. Keith Dardine, his pregnant wife Elaine, and their three-year-old son Peter were all found dead. A theory formed somewhere that Ramirez may have been responsible. The timeline seems strange since Ramirez's first confirmed murder in Illinois was in Gorham in 1999, but Wikipedia tells me that it was after the Illinois murders that they positively identified him as the killer. Hmm. I assume that after the info got out, he became a suspect for the Dardine murders as well. My dad said I probably remember it because police around the area were told to keep an eye out since he hadn't been captured and it was all over the local news. Plot twist. It was not Ramirez. It was a different 90s serial killer, Tommy Lynn Sells, who took credit for the murders. Oh, wow. Um, But he was executed for the killing of a girl named Kayleen Harris in 2014 and was never officially convicted for the Dardeen deaths. Uh, Tommy Lynn Sells claimed responsibility for over 70 murders across the United States beginning when he was just 16 years old. Oh my gosh. Upwards of 40 of these murders couldn't be confirmed, but 30 of them were matched with victims that they had no leads or workable DNA evidence to test. He was named the Coast to Coast Killer because he had victims in states all across America spanning 19 years. Sells was arrested in 2000 at his trailer where he lived with his wife and her four children. It was a peaceful arrest. Sells did not put up a fight or even ask why he was being arrested. He later confessed to killing Kayleen Harris, who was 13 years old, uh, and attempted to kill her friend Crystal, who was only 10 years old and had survived by playing dead, and escaped uh, to get help from the next-door neighbor. And in the following months, confessed to killing multiple men, women, and children in several states across the country. Jeez. Whoa! Holy shit. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> That's all I have to say about it's, that. It's bonkers. That's nuts. I'm so glad she looked into that. I know. found out. Yeah. So, the, so, to be clear, the murder in 1999, or sometime in the 90s, that was thought to be Ramirez was actually Tommy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was 1987. Because oh, uh, uh, Ramirez's first, you know, murder in Illinois supposedly was 1999. Oh, but that's no one can tell exactly if they found all of Ramirez's victims yet. Sure. Like, because, who knows? you know, they had some that they suspected, but he didn't ever, like, fess up to, like, more. It was mm-hmm. just like, hey, did you do this one? He'd be like, Man, yeah. Yeah, that was me. They're buried over here. They're Jesus. in this spot. Yeah, so. That was nutty. That they, um, the apparently, yeah, apparently the Wikipedia page pegs Ramirez for their murder. But yeah. uh, this other guy confessed to it. But it so. was him. Okay, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Yeah. Good job, Mackenzie. Yeah, I like Mackenzie. that research. That's yeah, good stuff. I love that. I actually had a couple people reach out to me, and they were like, "I remembered him." Oh well, yeah, Leah texted us in, oh, our, yeah, in that right. group message and was like, "Oh my gosh, I remember the railroad killer. I love this story." I'm blah, not blah, sure. Blah. Yeah, who she was talking about, but she said she had a friend of theirs or someone they knew in their town. Leah, actually, our our best friend Leah, she grew up in uh, the same town as Jimmy, and uh, she was telling Jimmy about a family that lived in their town, I believe, who started sleeping in their basement. Yeah. Yeah. Something when like that, that was happening because they were so scared. So terrified of the railroad killer. That's bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. You had lots of responses from people who lived around your hometown or in your hometown that remember that. Whereas I'm from further up north and I had never yeah. heard anything about that guy. So Well I think that one cool. that one murder, the one of the father and the daughter happened very close to us, mm-hmm. like within thirty miles. So I think that's why. Yeah. We, that makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, um, thanks, Mackenzie. Good yeah, stuff. thanks, Mackenzie. That was awesome. Ghost stories. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, today Let's we have a nice little blend. As we've said this before, we call it listener ghost stories, and most of them are ghost stories, but they can also just be listener stories. Listener stories in yeah. general. Any strange happening or run in with a serial killer, a going to see a psychic, anything that you can't really explain or that is insane yeah. and worth sharing. These stories can be about anything. So today is a great little blend, and we're excited. I'll go first with this one. I'm going to drink my LaCroix. Guys, I don't know if you've ever tried LaCroix, but it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. You mean LaCroix? Is it LaCroix? I don't know. I call it LaCroix. I've heard people call it LaCroix, and I don't know if they're just being pretentious. If they call it LaCroix, I'm going to kick them in the balls. Yeah, same Z's. I don't like it. I call it LaCroix. the lady balls. I don't care if you have actual balls or no balls. I'm going to kick you there. You're going to get kicked. Um, okay, so this story comes from a listener named Gamby, which if you listened to, what episode was that? Uh, I don't know e- what we called E-M-P, it. EMP, Electronic Map Phenomenon. Oh yeah, Electronic sure Map yes, Phenomenon. Yeah. Where if we you listened remember, to we had a ton of, yeah, uh, EVPs EVP recordings. From our friend Matt, who in his stories would talk about his friends Gamby mm-hmm. and Hammy. They're, oh, yes. Because <laughs> they both had the same first name, so they called them Gamby and Hammy. It was like Gambrel, and I don't know what the other last name was. <laughs> but yeah, Gamby and Hammy. So Gamby messaged us and has some stories. He says, hi, this is Gamby. <laughs> A little about me is I am also sensitive. And when he says sensitive, he's referring to being sensitive to the paranormal, as is Ashley is very sensitive as well. So I think that's why he's saying, I am also sensitive. Um, My wife is sensitive and my child is most likely sensitive as well. I have had things happen around me since I was five years old. One story that I will pass on is about the current house that my wife and I own. I actually lived in this house for the first time back when I was 15 years old. We had just moved in and I had a few friends stay over. This is 15-year-old Gamby. I had the room in the basement, which which also had the laundry room attached to it. We were exploring the rooms and we found a teddy bear that had been left behind in the house. Being adolescent teens, we beat up the bear and threw it across the room. It landed in the far corner of the laundry room. Now, the laundry room had two doors that close and open up into the room that I was sleeping in, in the basement. We decided to go to sleep at some point, and we all crashed on the floor. My cousin, Craig, who is a big guy, was laying directly in front of the door to the laundry room. I was laying close by, and so was Hammy. Hey, Hammy makes an appearance. There was no way that anyone could have gotten into the room while we slept, and none of us could have opened those doors without waking the others. When we woke up in the morning, we opened the doors to the laundry room, and the bear was sitting right there in front of the door, just staring at the spots we had all slept in. As you would expect, we were very freaked out by this, and for the longest time, we called it the Demon Bear House. (laughs) I lived in it for six months and could always feel a presence in that basement where I slept. Now, crossing back over to the present day, when my wife and I were looking for a house, we saw the demon bear house on the market. We avoided even looking at it for a long time. Eventually, we looked and liked it and decided to buy it, even though we knew the history. We have had lights turn on and off, and we have heard footsteps when no one is there. These are just some of the many stories that I have. As I mentioned, my wife is sensitive, and we believe our son Rex is too. People say that paranormal stuff is is hereditary. Both my wife Liz and I have seen things from an early age. And when Rex was very young, he would watch something that wasn't there. We would see his eyes move as if he was following something that was invisible. One day we received some family photos and I was showing him and asking him if he knew who a certain person was. At this time, he was two years old and he looked at the picture and said, that's Grandpa Walter. 
which he was correct about, but my dad had passed away in 2000 right before I turned 15, and we had never had pictures out or showed him a picture of my dad ever. I had just recently gotten these old pictures from my grandmother, and we had moved so many times when I was young that we lost things along the way. There was no way Rex would have seen a photo of him before this moment. That's all for now, but that won't be the last of the Gamby saga. Ooh, Gamby. Ooh, Gamby. Woo, I Gamby. absolutely think that a sensitivity to the paranormal is here- hereditary in I the same way that, the same. you know, your eyesight is hereditary totally. and your hearing is hereditary. Yeah. It's just another sense that I think people have. Absolutely. Um, you and your mom and your aunt, right? All yeah, pretty much everyone on my mom's side of the family. And yeah. that's the thing, too, is if on. you look at me and my sister, my sister is taller than me. My sister's got, like, boobies, blonde hair. You guys look nothing blue alike. Eyes. I thought it was a joke when you showed me she, your sister. Was. She is my dad. She's a Cassidy. Mm-hmm. And I'm a rat. I look okay, like my look mom. Like your mom. Yeah, and even, you know, even some, I have a lot more of my dad's no, I, I think I even have a lot more of my mom's personality. Personality, physicality, like everything. So mm-hmm. it's not weird that, like, her side of the family is sensitive. Right. Uh, and I am as well. It and my sense. dad's side of the family is not. And my sister's not. Yeah. She takes it over it's everything. from your dad. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it can be passed down because you hear stories all the time of people who say, oh, yeah, my mom has seen things before and so do I. Yeah. Like, there's... Um, a guy who, I was just telling you, there's a dad who comes to my music class with his little boy, his mm-hmm. son, and he was telling me that him and his mom both have a ton of stories. And I was like, I love that both of you have had experiences. And he said, yeah, my mom and I have been sensitive my entire life. Like we don't talk about it a lot, but we both have these insane stories. So I do truly believe it can run in the family. Yeah. And, um, my sister and I have both had a decent amount of experiences. Her absolutely more than me but my parents are always saying they never have seen anything so I don't know where where we come from from. yeah (laughs) I don't know about that but yeah it seems to really follow my sister Julia um and then I have just a couple moments here and there but yeah it's interesting so anyway Gamby um he and his wife and their son are all Mm -hmm. sensitive which is interesting that he married someone who had the same sensitivity um, well, and I also feel that with children, it's going to take a while to even find out because I think uh, oh, for sure. children are more sensitive in general. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, some people say it has to do with the fact that they haven't been told that it's ridiculous yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they haven't been told that it's... It's the norm in their world. Yeah, so... Um, they just react to whatever's around them mm-hmm. at all times. And also, yeah, just like the, you know, their their ego, their id, their, everything's developing at that time. Mm-hmm. So, like, their brain is literally developing and, I don't know, maybe some things are stronger than others. Sure. But it's the same as, like, pets. Yeah. My gosh, when animals are staring at a spot or oh, yeah. growling I mean, like, at not, something. And, like, the thing is, animals can see the smallest bug. So just staring at a spot or sure. shadow. It doesn't always or, mean. Yeah, it's okay. Usually if, they're, if they have a crazy reaction yeah. and are jumping up there's and down. There's so and, many times yeah. that, like, my cats will see a speck of dust and they'll lose their fucking minds. Or like, a fan will be on, so, like, a tiny little thing will be blowing, like, <laughs> the, like wind like, of oh, the fan. Oh, that's not a ghost. And You're just losing a freak. it. Yeah. So, 
there's that, but I've also had my my pets react pretty violently sure. to something that I also felt. You felt a yeah. presence and then saw them react as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so terrifying. But yeah, and that's the thing is maybe when he said he saw that his son's eyes were tracking something, mm-hmm. maybe he was seeing a bug or something yeah. small. <laughs> like he definitely could have too. But the but, grandpa thing. But the grandpa thing, yeah, that is insane that he's never seen a picture. They've never really talked about his dad. He's He passed away a long time ago. And to have your son say, that's Grandpa Walter, I would lose my mind. <laughs> that would also be kind of cool, though, because then you think, oh, I love that my dad is visiting my son. Yeah. And he... Wasn't looking at the picture being scared of the man that he saw. He was just saying, that's Grandpa Walter. So it makes me think maybe they're hanging out and yeah. having a nice time. Um, also, I noticed that he said his dad passed away before he was 15. And he was 15 when he moved into that house. And that's when mm. things were happening. Now he's back in that house. So I wonder if it could be a connection to the dad Possibly. in some way. But I don't know. That teddy bear sounds a little creepy. Yeah, but maybe his dad was just like... Here's a bear. Here's a bear. And they threw the bear and he's like, I said, here's a bear. Don't throw it to the other side of the room. Um, and he said since his wife demon and bear a house. demon bear house. I love that. Since him and his wife have moved back into the house, he said um, he doesn't feel that the ghost presence in the house is malicious at all. He feels that it just wants attention. Um, he had sent that in a separate message of just like, Hey, listen to me. I'm yeah, here. I'm going to make here. noise every now and then, but they never feel like a dark Feel like presence. oppressed yeah. or, yeah. So I think it's just well, some good. spirit hanging out. Could be his dad. Could be whoever. Could yeah. be a bear. Could be a bear. Could be the spirit of a teddy bear. <laughs> Thanks, Gamby. Yeah, great. thank you, Gamby. Continue to send us those stories. Yeah, he said there'd be many them. more. I have one from uh, my good friend Callie. Callie wrote in this story from her dad, who worked as a oh, paramedic. Nice. He eventually became a helicopter paramedic, which is... Wowza. Crazy. But in the 70s, my dad was an ambulance paramedic, uh, reading from the point of view of Callie right now, obviously. He was really close to all the guys who rode with him, including a man named Timothy, who was an assistant paramedic at the time, going to school at SIUC, S-I-U-C uh, to earn a degree in administrative justice with a minor in psychology. When it came time for my dad to get married, his groomsmen were all of his paramedic buddies that he worked with, including Tim. Uh, Tim actually had to miss the bachelor party, which was the night before the wedding, due to a prior engagement, but he was there for the wedding the morning after. Pretty shortly after the wedding, they fell out of touch. In 2007, this is 20-something years later, Timothy was sentenced to 40 years in prison for the 1983 killing of SIUC student Deborah Shepard, and in addition was charged with five counts of murder and three counts of rape against women in the Cape Girardeau area from 1977 to 1982. He ended up pleading guilty to five murders and seven sexual assaults and one robbery, sen- sentencing him to an additional 13 consecutive life terms. Oh my god. The craziest part, the prior engagement he had to miss my dad's bachelor party was the rape and murder of two women, a mother and a daughter, in Cape Girardeau. So that happened the night yeah, of the bachelor party. The day after this occurred, like he stalked. Basically, what he would do is he would stalk people for like weeks mm-hmm. and find out like their routines, and the urge to kill them was so strong. He had to miss the bachelor party to go 
rape he, and murder. He had to these rape people. and murder instead of yeah. be with his friends. And then the next morning, uh, he came back to Carbondale for the wedding. He's even in like all the wedding pictures and everything. Uh, once it all came to light of who and what Tim was, my dad was pretty freaked out. He did say he said that Tim was the nicest guy you could meet and get to know, but that after he thought about it, he did seem capable of doing what he did. Uh, my dad actually had to bring in the wedding photo uh, and talk to one of the investigators about Tim. And in the book In Cold Pursuit, the wedding photo is used. Uh, Carbondale police officer actually wrote In Cold Pursuit. He was a rookie at the time of the murder of the 23-year-old college student and even questioned Timothy during the investigation, but because DNA evidence was so limited at the time, they weren't able to pin anything on him. Uh, he was obsessed with Timothy as a suspect for almost 25 years, constantly testing his DNA as forensic advanced until finally leading to a match and a conviction. Wow. Can you imagine? That is like Here's me the thing. finding out I was years later wedding. that it was you. Yeah, I was thinking this the whole time. Ashley was one of my bridesmaids. I was in your wedding. She seems totally I normal. I couldn't go to your bachelorette party. You couldn't. What I was couldn't. your fucking prior engagement, Ashley? Well, Tell me now. if you remember, um, I was sent four dates <laughs> of which ones can you do? And I said I could do all but this date. And then and we picked that's that what date. it was scheduled Listen, for. majority rule. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Oh, yeah, because it was over, like, Christmas break, wasn't it? Um, wasn't I don't remember. I believe I oh, was no, working, I... I was managing the restaurant. Yeah, that's true. So it was like, I could do all but these, because this is, I think right, it was like right, a right. Sunday brunch. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. I did one out in L.A. That's the one you're talking about. Because mm-hmm. I had my, my good bachelorette party back in Illinois, where you're also from. But I think at that time, you weren't going home for Christmas yeah. because of work. Um, so were you managing the restaurant at the time or were you or was killing people I in cold blood? people in cold blood. <laughs> I don't know. You guess you'll find out in 20 years. That would be insane. I was trying that whole time you were telling the story. I was literally thinking of you. So it's funny you had that same moment. <laughs> so I was just trying to wrap my head around what would I Can think you if just looking back I and mean, being like, I feel like, like Ashley, we are a lot closer than they were. It just right. It sounds like, like it. I, I imagine being like a paramedic automatically being very close to the people that you work with because you're in a pretty hard situation. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's, I think I, not to this extent, obviously, but I think it's kind of the same with like soldiers, like the, yeah. the guys in your troop, like you mm-hmm. have a bond with them for the rest of that your no life one that no one can understand because no one had the experiences that you had. Right. So to a lesser extent, uh, paramedics and ambulance drivers, I can imagine Becoming very close without actually being, like, if they were in a different situation where yeah. this wasn't their job and they weren't co-workers, they, they probably, probably wouldn't, wouldn't be have become friends at right. all. Um, Trauma can bring people together and when yeah. you're witnessing, yeah, those traumatic experiences. It um, bonds you. But yeah, she was saying her dad said, you know, he couldn't believe it. He was just the nicest guy. But then after a while, just being like, oh, I could actually see him being capable of something like this. Right. I don't know if it was like... Because he was like cold or yeah, what? Uh, but I am I curious also, why he thinks. Yeah, yeah. What did he I, do? Uh, he's actually sending us the wedding picture. Oh, good. So I'm gonna post that on our uh, Facebook page as well as soon Can't as I wait. get that. Um, I also think it's interesting uh, when serial killers take jobs in the healthcare profession mm-hmm. and study psychology. Yep. 
Um, so this guy, Timothy, I think his last name's like Krychek or Krej, it's something interesting that is, looks like it's very hard to pronounce. Okay. Timothy K. Timothy K. Uh, but it's the book In Cold Pursuit, so whoever that's about, that's this guy. Okay. Um, he actually, so... The reason he was at SIU and going to school at SIU and took the paramedics job is because he was it, he was on parole. And that was part of his parole is he had to oh. enroll in classes, apparently. And that's what he chose. And that's what he chose. He was on parole for a rape. Mm. Um, so but, he already sucked. Yeah. And, like, the thing is, is, like... No one has to know that, you know what yeah. I mean? Because I and and I was ta- I was talking to Callie on the phone, and she was like, um, she was like, I'm pretty sure my dad had no idea, but yeah. also at the same time, they were he was young at the time, right. and the thing is, it could have been. I know I can't remember the other serial killer who, um, had been to prison for rape and then got out uh, at a very young age, at like 21, he got out of prison and it was his first rape, and he was telling everybody that uh it was just statutory rape mm-hmm. he was 18 and his girlfriend was 17 yeah and people were like oh okay yeah like, oh we that can sucks that's horrible that. but like yeah. i was i was sleeping with 17 year old when i was 18 right. too and it sucks yeah. um but it turns out it was like he was 19 and the girl was like 12 <gasps> no so but that's Ugh. the thing is like people could don't have some states do but a lot of people don't have access to those records right like, you can't you can just like type in someone's name want. yeah i could say yeah it doesn't, oh, it, you could say, you know, uh, arrested for rape or like convicted of rape, but there's no specifics. I can't believe, yeah, when people go into healthcare, mm-hmm. I just wonder, is it because they want to learn more about the ins and outs of the uh-huh. body and just get more details? Well, so I mean, you know, there? Ted Bundy, Ted Bundy worked at a suicide prevention hotline. Yeah, that was insane to me. Um, he also worked, I didn't know this, he worked as a rape crisis volunteer. He handed out rape prevention pamphlets, uh, helped rape survivors seek counseling, and uh, et cetera. He also worked as part of a crime prevention task force while he was trying to have a political career. He got a degree. I'm drinking LaCroix. Uh, He got a degree in psychology from the University of Washington. Um, He tested fairly high in terms of IQ, so I think he took those particular jobs and went into that particular field in order to help him commit his crimes without getting caught. Right. He like, needed to learn all of it. No one would expect the guy who works at a suicide hotline no. to be capable of the things that he did. He was... Well, and people said he was really good at it. Like, people yeah. have said he saved so many lives. Yeah, he, he saved murdered more lives, more lives than, than he yeah. killed. Yeah. Yeah. He, he killed... I think he was convicted of 36. Mm-hmm. Which, which is insane. More, which an is insane amount. But he saved so many people on the suicide hotline. Yeah. It's just... It, it's How could... How? How, how, um, how. You know, also, he was able to see how law enforcement works from the Crime Prevention Task Force, and he was able to meet vulnerable women and study them through the rape crisis volunteering. So, well, there you go. I, yeah. Doing I, your research. I don't know if it's, I think it's interesting that so many uh, serial killers, when you look at their, like, college, if they went to college, how many of them studied psychology. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's because they knew something was wrong with their with mind. them, yeah. and they wanted to know more about it, sure, or, or just to overpower people yeah, more and or, be able yeah. to play mind games by knowing all the ins and outs. I could see both. Yeah, probably. it really could be both. Ugh, it's like a combination of doing your research, but also trying to keep a facade of "I'm a good person, I help people." <laughs> when you take those jobs, that's crazy. Well, 
Well, great. Thanks, Callie. Yeah, what that's nuts. Your dad knows a crazy murderer. <laughs> Jesus. I couldn't imagine. I no. couldn't imagine, like, being like, why weren't you at my bachelor party last night? Like, oh, I'm so sorry I got held up. And then just, like, can you imagine, like, how sick you felt mm-hmm. finding out what he did what the he night before your wedding? Doing. And then was, like, at your wedding the next day. And Callie also mentioned, she was like, you look at the wedding pictures, and, you know, it's the 70s, and it's, like, hippie, like, kind of, like, flower child style, so sure. everyone's wearing, like, all white. And she was just, like, the, the picturing in my head of, like, the brutality of what he did the night before, and, you know, because I, I don't remember exactly how he killed him. I want to say he stabbed them, but, like, to rape and, like, stab them and, like, dismember them, and then to, like go be in a wedding and wear all white the next day. That kind of juxtaposition. She's yeah, like, I feels can't so handle wrong. it. Yeah. yeah, it's so sick. Ugh. Yeah, and he was probably acting completely normal, too, which is so frightening. Yeah. Horrible. That is disturbing. Well, thank you, Callie. Thanks, Callie. Um, You're the bomb. Hi weirdos, Ashley here with a special Keep It Weird promotion. For our LA listeners, or listeners visiting LA, for a limited time, the Hollywood Escape House in North Hollywood is offering you a discount. One, if you've never played an escape room, you have to, it's a blast. Two, if you're an escape room connoisseur, you have to try this one. They have two rooms both based on true stories, The Royal Palace and Woman in the Attic, and they are offering 30% off with the promo code KEEPITWEIRD, and 10% of all those profits are going to the podcast. So it's a pretty sweet deal for all weirdos involved. Offer valid for groups of five or more, so go gather up your friends and head to NoHo. Call 818-800-9175 to book now and use promo KEEPITWEIRD. Okay? Back to the show. My next story is very short and sweet. Mm -hmm. It was sent in by friend Caden. You know Caden. Oh, hi, Caden. Oh, hey, Caden. Caden is probably going to be a future guest on the podcast. So this was also a moment to introduce you guys to him. He started a live escape room experience in Los Angeles called The Basement. You've heard of it. You've definitely heard You've of it. You've heard of it. It is the number one top rated escape room in Los I mean, Angeles right now. I think it's right like now. the number one escape room. I mean, it's ever. Ever, probably. <laughs> it's I've so heard. well done. Yeah. Um, he, he started it. He has, I think, three separate rooms now. They all just have rave reviews. It's insane. You can take birthday parties there. It's awesome. Um, they just opened a new location in Las Vegas, which yes. is insane. He's... He's You're going to want to remember him. He's doing well. <laughs> and he'll probably come on and talk with us about escape rooms in the future. Um, so Caden submitted this very short and sweet little tale. First time and only time trying a Ouija board was with a friend and we did what every stupid kid does and turned off all the lights and lit candles. Long story short, the planchette on the board moved completely by itself. That friend and I had a very intense conversation afterward and I believe him when he said he wasn't moving it. It was genuine... it moved on its own. The spirit that broke through on the board told us his name and that he was a war veteran who was killed in action on the beaches of Normandy. He told us that he had a grandson who was still alive and that his grandson was considering joining the military. He desperately requested that we try and contact his grandson and convince him not to join. This is all being told to them on the Ouija board, guys. 
Um, after the session, we started Googling, and we could not find the name of the spirit himself in any history regarding World War II. However, we did find the name of the grandson he had mentioned. The spirit had mentioned that his grandson lived in Florida, and the name we found did, in fact, live in Florida. If this experience had happened today, I would have continued on and tried to contact that grandson, but for whatever reason, when I was younger, I didn't seek him out. I think I was scared that if I met him and he confirmed that he did indeed have a grandfather who died in World War II, it would confirm that spirits are a real thing, and that's fucking scary. <laughs> that's my story. Bye! Tis. Tis scary. I just love, and that's fucking scary. That's the best ending to that story. Um, I don't know if I've ever heard such a specific story from a Ouija board. Well, no, that's not true. I've heard some pretty specific stories. You've told a pretty crazy Ouija yeah. board story before, but that, that just seems really intense. Yes. And to have the planchette spell out all of that, like the beaches of Normandy and please contact my grandson, that is insane. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I wonder if, uh, yeah. How old was he? Does it say? No, he just said he was young. He was young. Because he said we did what every stupid kid does. And then he comes back to say if the experience had happened today, I would have acted different. So probably. Yeah, because that's one of those things, too. Even if it did happen today and you did reach out to this person, like, you don't know. I don't know if I would reach out to that person. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would, um, um, do that only because you don't know what their belief system is. You don't know how they would react to something like that. Sure, They could get very upset with you. I mean, I guess if it's like your grandfather, you know, who has been gone for a while, but like, I, I don't know how I would react if someone came to me and said that they spoke. Well, I would actually probably. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, say, wrong, that's if, wrong. That's wrong. I think if you or I were approached in that situation, we would fucking but love I could it. Totally and I totally see to people person. being like, Absolutely. how dare you? What? Yeah. How do you approach that situation? Yeah. I was contacted by your grandfather on a Ouija board and I was sent to talk to you. You'd get smacked across yeah, the face. I mean, yeah. Do you have no idea? You don't That's know. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I would. I don't no, know if I, I would contact I completely anyone. agree. I think him even saying maybe in today at his age, he would have done it is very brave to say because I think. I'd have to do a lot of so research. Weird. Yes. I would have to like, I would stalk the shit out of their Facebook page. And if there was like one post about, you know, like a, a crystal, I'd be like, hey, okay, let's cool. do this. <laughs> I'm taking that as my open door. Right. And I talk to you about this uh, Ouija board thing that happened to me. I wonder if you could say anything besides Ouija board to not freak them out. But there really isn't another way other than saying I was contacted or just straight up saying, I can't explain how, but I have spoken to your grandfather and he told me to talk to you. I mean, you could, you could just say, you could just say, um, I can't explain this to you. I'll never be able to explain how I know this. Don't join the military. Right. They'd be like, what the fuck? What the hell? What? And if you're a complete stranger saying that, if someone were to say that to me, I don't think I'd join the military because I'd be like, oh shit. I don't you know. You don't me. know me. How do you know I'm even thinking about But yeah. But that's to just know like, that specific information I know. would be. I mean, that's just like, like if someone came out to me this week and was like, Ashley, I'd be like, yeah. They'd be like, don't go to Boston. Oh, I'd shit. be like, okay, yeah. I'm not. Cancel your flight. That's it. Not yeah, going. I think I'd want to believe them. If it's a stranger who knows something specific about my life and something that's coming up in the near future, I think I would have to listen. I'd say this is too bizarre and off the wall. Yeah. I had an aunt call me once and uh, she called and she never calls ever. 
This is, I, I, I think she's called me twice in my life. Uh-huh. Um, she called me once, and she basically was just like, hey, how are you? And I was like, I'm really good. Thank you. How are you? And she's like, I'm good. And we talked for a little bit. It was very short and sweet. And then she was like, everything's good. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, yes. Do you know something that I don't know? And she's like, I just want to make sure everything was okay. And uh, that day, maybe it was the day after. No, it was that day. It was that day. I was on my way to work, and I got in a car accident. And I got uh, rear-ended and pushed into the car in front of me. And uh, I was fine. I was not hurt, but, like, sore, obviously, for, like, a week. And so shaken Um, up. And the car in front of me, like, sped off, didn't want anything to do with it. And um, it was scary. Man. But I didn't even think about it. It wasn't until, like, uh, it wasn't until a couple days later when um, my boyfriend at the time, who was in the car with me, had mentioned um, that he thought it was weird that my aunt called that day. Right. And that's when I was like, oh, oh my God. Shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I reached totally out to her knew. on Facebook, and I was like, hey, like, did you? And she was like, I just had a weird feeling. I just had a bad feeling. So she didn't necessarily see. No, she didn't. She you, wasn't she like was I saw that you were in a car accident. And no, she right. just like had but like a bad even feeling. So, yeah, man, that's crazy town. Yeah, but if with her calling, being like, "Yeah, right, everything okay?" Right, was like, "Huh? Why? Why?" Oh my gosh, I would be just having full blown panic attacks <laughs> the rest of the day, the rest of the week. You're like, cool, I will cool, cool, never cool. be the same. I'm never going to sleep again. I'm getting murdered. I have a short story. Um, this was sent in by Ben, not our Ben, not Rosemary's Ben. <laughs> not our not Ben. Not our Ben. Speaking of Ben, he wrote a happy birthday on my Facebook wall last week for my birthday, and I so commented sweet. and said, I know, and I commented and said, thank you for my birthday present. Please come back on the podcast. <laughs> he was like, done. I just enjoyed it. I love him. I miss his voice. His I sweet, know. sultry, deep, it's the bellowing best. voice. Okay, but this um, Ben is probably uh, very special to Yes. So... Uh, He sent us a story that his uncle told him. So this is not him, it's his uncle. Uh, He said, this happened in Canada, uh, or, I'm sorry, this is me writing. This happened in Canada, I believe, near Vancouver, because I asked where he was from, and I didn't get a response. So, I don't know where you're from, Ben. I'm so sorry. I'm pretty sure you lived in Canada. Um, His uncle was a Boy Scout, uh, in a Boy Scout troop. Let's just start over. His (laughs) uncle was in a Boy Scout troop. And one year, a man named Willie ran a fundraiser for them. He was a multimillionaire pig farmer, brought all the pork and everything that was served to the troop and the families and the fundraisers that were there. Anyway, um, his uncle went on to say that luckily he had food poisoning the day earlier and he wasn't feeling well still, so he didn't eat anything at the barbecue, which was a good thing because sometime later, uh, Willie Pickton was charged with the death of 26 women and sentenced to life in prison. He ended up confessing to 49 murders, upset that he couldn't kill one more to make it an even 50. Not oh. only were many of the bodies eaten by the pigs on the farm, but in 2004 it was revealed that Picton may have ground up human flesh and mixed it with the pork that he sold to the public. <laughs> oh my oh. god! Holy bucket! No! No! <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much. That's why I said I thought he was near Vancouver, because <sighs> this guy, I looked up Willie Picton, and he was from Vancouver, um, or near Vancouver. 
But even if he didn't grind up the meat and sell it in <coughs> the pork, he did for sure feed it to the feed pigs bodies on the to farm, the pig. yeah. and then killed the pigs, and then sold and then pork. sold the pork, <laughs> and they ate fucking humans. Yeah, uh, I mean, they even apparently like a health hazard went out after he was convicted, and anyone who had any of his meat were told to throw it out. Yeah, because throw it out. Go make yourself know. throw up if you've yeah. eaten it. Get to a hospital. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but this uh, Ben's uncle was. At the fundraiser where he brought all of the pork uh, for his, like, Boy Scout troop fundraiser. And he was like, and he didn't eat any of it. Good. Because he was feeling shitty. Yeah. Thank God for that food poisoning. God was looking out for you, boy. (laughs) Jesus. Um, Holy buckets of pig blood. I I don't like it. That's horrible. I can't imagine. No. I cannot imagine. Similar to your first story, just looking back on your life and saying I had contact with a murderer, a In serial killer. Yeah. Jesus. I can't can't wrap my head around it. That's crazy. Ooh, that was from Ben? Yeah. About the uncle? Thanks, Ben, Thanks, for ben. terrifying me and disturbing me in every way. <laughs> um, I have one more story. Okay. Pretty short. Um, like, medium length. From listener Mary. Hello. Um, hi, Mary. Mary. Um, and she talks about living in certain cities, but it looks like she doesn't specify which cities, wants to keep them anonymous, but that's fine. It doesn't play into the story too much. Mary says, a few years ago, I was living in a different city from where I am now. My building was pretty old for the neighborhood, built before 1950, but things like the elevator had been updated. I lived on the eighth floor and laundry was located in the basement. The elevator was the only way for tenants to reach the basement. There was a stairwell, but the heavy fire door at the basement level was always locked, and only the super had the key. That's probably against the law, she put in parentheses, but whatever. (laughs) All Anyways, one evening, I was going down to do my laundry. The elevator opened into the middle of the basement hallway. To the left was the laundry room, only accessible from the hallway. No windows, no other entrance other than the doorway. The laundry room didn't even have a door, just the entryway. To the right of the elevator was the shut and locked fire door. The hallway was empty except for a low rolling rack that tenants could use to transport belongings and move in and out of the building. So I rode the elevator down to the basement and the door opened. I hear a faint noise coming from the laundry room. I thought it was just another tenant, but as I got closer, it sounded like moaning and sobbing. The entire laundry room was visible from the doorway. Washers on the left, dryers on the right, a table along the back wall for folding. There was a child, a little white girl, and then in parentheses she said, there was only one white tenant in the building, and it was me, a single woman with no kids. So this little white girl was hunched up under the table wearing a white dress and a pink sweater. Her long black hair was disheveled, and her face was hidden in her pale hands. Freaked out, I made a sound. She looked up at me, her eyes like black holes. Immediately on seeing me, she leapt up and ran past me out of the room. A chill lingered where she passed. I was freaked out because I'd never seen this girl in the building before and had no idea who she belonged with or why she was crying in her basement. Being an adult, I decided to see if she needed help. Turned back into the basement hallway and I was alone. But I'd heard the elevator go back upstairs when I'd gotten off and no one had called it back down since I'd been there. And the fire door to the stairwell was locked as per usual. I walked over and checked just to be sure. She had vanished without a trace. The hallway was freezing cold. I got my dirty laundry, called the elevator back down, and went back to my apartment, quaking in fear. I never used that laundry room again, and I took my stuff several blocks to a laundromat instead. It was less convenient, sure, but no sobbing little ghost girl was there to freak me out. 
I left that city years ago, but I will never forget that time in the laundry room. That is V scary. V scary, Mary. Uh, Do you want to walk a couple blocks to do your laundry, or do you want to see a small ghost child with dark eyes? And I'm imagining that she's like Samara from The Ring with dark hair and dark eyes. Yeah, when you said dark eyes, I immediately was like, huh? Huh? Samara? Yeah, Um, just black holes, can you imagine? Well, isn't that a thing? Isn't that like a popular thing? Children, the ghosts of children with uh, like black holes for eyes? I feel like people have said that. Yeah, multiple occasions. What is the, hold on. Is there some history behind this? You got some history? There is. There, um, let's see. Children with black eyes. It's going to be like, call social services. That's not what I meant. <laughs> oh, yeah, creepy. okay. You here's found a, something? Well, here's an article. Black Eyed Children from uh, Week and Weird, which is a site that I especially got a lot of Amityville This Week and Weird stories from. This article says, in the last few years, the frightening phenomenon of the black-eyed children visitations has swept the internet. Whether or not the stories of uh, midnight encounters with the mysterious black-eyed kids have any truth to them has been a hotly debated topic. But who are they? Where do they come from? What do they want? We aren't sure. A lot of them, though, are, uh, like, come to people's homes at night is yeah. where the stories come. They, they peek in through the window or seen through the window or seen, like, outside uh their door uh sometimes they knock on the door no thank you um but they're all accompanied by a feeling of dread the strange children are usually trying to get inside or asked to be let inside yeah it says uh the the children's eyes are black as an oil slick ew Uh, i don't like it Following chilling eyewitness account comes from a woman who emailed us that said she made a mistake of letting the black-eyed kids into her home. Whoa! I'll post this on the uh, Keep It Weird page. What? Yeah, so so this is a thing. There's even a Wikipedia page for black-eyed children. Oh, gosh. An urban legend of supposed paranormal creatures that resemble children between the ages of 6 and 16 with pale skin and black eyes who are reported uh, usually seen hitchhiking, panhandling, or encountered on doorsteps of residential homes. They have appeared in pop culture and uh, have been reported since the 1990s. Yeah. It's the first time that they were seen. Uh, boo. <laughs> yeah, I'll post that. that yeah, um, that's fascinating. That story's really interesting. I wonder how this little black-eyed girl got into the laundry room, because it sounds like they need to be invited in like vampires yeah that's what it sounds like (laughs) let the right one in Uh, well she also didn't say i mean she said they had she had dark eyes right is that what she said she no she said just black eyes oh well never mind so mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i guess it's not even samara it's more like one of the children in the grudge or something because samara you could at least see her eyeballs that's true she had brown eyes i think but yeah. And tomorrow's obviously that was a biopic. Uh huh. Yes. Uh huh. That was. A- <laughs> Sorry, I'm like it's scrolling back story. through her story. That was a real story, so you know we can rely on that for historical accuracy. Um. Yeah, I was not paying attention to you just now because I was scrolling yeah, through no, the story. Yeah, I could feel it. 
You could feel me ignoring you. Yeah, she said black. Her eyes were like black holes. That was how she referred to it. Like black holes. Ew. No. Yeah. So that's horrible, and I'm glad she did her laundry somewhere else. Probably a smart move. Probably. Um, Yikes. We wanted to start for our listener ghost stories episodes. I said I was going to do this a couple, a couple maybe like two LGS episodes ago, but I never started. I received a book from one of our listeners and one of my friends, uh, Susie Shercliffe. Who the book is called "The Ghost Who Danced with Kim Novak," Kim Novak from uh, Vertigo, uh-huh. Alfred Hitchcock, and it and other true tales of the supernatural. So it's basically a, an old book. Holy shit, this book is old. It Let's is see. old. It has seen some life. Published in it's so old it doesn't even oh there we go copyright <laughs> 1969. No, so, so old. It's a very old book. It's falling apart, but it's basically a collection of. Ghost stories and weird supernatural stories from, uh, like, actual actors and actresses and famous people mm-hmm. uh, back in the cool. day. So today I wanted to start, and I was going to read a story from Lucille Ball, because uh, everybody knows her. I love Our Lucy. Buddy. She's wonderful. I love her. So, Lucille Ball, twice in her active and full life, Lucille Ball has been touched by the inexplicable mystery of extrasensory perception. Holy balls, she has ESP. Uh, Oh my. Like so many who have had such experiences, she does not attempt to explain them. She merely says, this is what happened, and lets it go at that. The first time was when she was a 17-year-old. She had gotten a job, and for the first time in her life, was on her own. Her parents moved to a small apartment, and Lucille took the one immediately above theirs. So, on her own, kind of. She lived above theirs. She was free and independent and full of teenage self-assuredness. She enjoyed living alone and making do for herself. She enjoyed being able to entertain her friends. One night, a girl came over for dinner. Even now, many years later, she can remember exactly what they fixed. Hamburger patties and potato salad and sliced tomatoes. They ate, chattering away happily, and then they went out for a walk. It was during this walk that Lucille realized her ring wasn't on her finger. This was odd. Lucille was and is a meticulous person. She never loses anything. With her, everything has its place, and she isn't comfortable unless everything is in that place. But the ring wasn't on her finger, where it belonged. They went back to the little apartment, but they couldn't find the ring anywhere. Lucille went to bed, but couldn't sleep, worrying about where she could have possibly put the ring. There was no answer. Over the ensuing weeks, she kept looking. She looked under the rugs, under the cushions, on the sofa, and the chairs, behind the books, in the corners, everywhere. No ring. And then one night, perhaps six weeks later... Lucille Ball was going out for a walk. She had just fixed herself another dinner. Again, hamburger patties, potato salad, and sliced tomatoes, and she was once again leaving for an evening stroll. As she closed the door, she suddenly saw her ring in her mind. She saw this mental picture of her ring in the bottom of a sack of potatoes with the potatoes old and sprouting their pale white tentacles. She ran back into the apartment, opened the cupboard beneath the sink, and pulled out the sack of potatoes. She threw the old sprouting vegetables out on the table and groped around the bottom of the sack, and her ring was there. She had no idea how it got there or how it could have seen, or how she could have seen that crystal clear picture, but it happened. Wow. Years later, this one's kind of a little bit more bonkers. Years later, Lucille Ball became a movie star. She was to move on to even greater fame on television, but in the 40s, she was still a moderately important star, important enough at any rate to merit a double stand-in. Helen Thurston, 
had the job. Miss Thurston is still Lucille Ball's double and stand-in. This was 1969. Mm-hmm. Um, today they are good friends, but at the time of this story, they were not. Their relationship was casual, strictly business. Helen Thurston did her job, exchanged a few pleasantries with Lucille, and went home. They would see each other only when there was a picture to be done. A picture. A picture. Only you want to be in the picture. Picture. Uh, Lucille knew that Helen had a husband and a son, both named Jimmy, but not much else about the girl. One morning, Lucille was driving to work. She was doing some costume fitting, so Helen Thurston was not on call that day. As Lucille drove along the freeway, she passed a spot where there had been an accident. The police had set up the flares. They were waving the cars around the scene. The fire truck hoses were washing the pavement. Suddenly, Lucille thought of Helen Thurston. It was a persistent, insistent thought. When she got to the studio, she felt an overpowering urge to talk to Helen, but she didn't even have her telephone number. The studio casting director was able to give her the number, and she called. It was, Lucille remembers, an odd, embarrassing conversation. She said, Hi, Helen. Who's this? Lucille Ball. Oh, hello. Am I supposed to be at the studio? No, Helen, not today. There was a long pause. How are you, Helen? I'm fine. How are you? Oh, fine. Is everything all right? Yes. Why? No reason. I just happened to think about you this morning. How's your husband? She said, oh, Jimmy is fine. He's been off on a motorcycle trip, but he'll be home in the morning. I expect him any minute. And then instantly, Lucille Ball knew with absolute certainty what had happened. That accident she had passed was absolutely Jimmy Thurston. He wouldn't be home that morning or ever. Well, good, she managed to say to Helen. Call me if you need me. And she hung up. The accident had been Jimmy, and the police notified Helen Thurston a few minutes after Lucille Ball's strange call. Uh, The incident actually helped bring Lucille and Helen close together, and it helped make Lucille Ball wonder even more about the mysterious workings of ESP. Wow. Lucy. Oh, my gosh. I never knew Lucy. Yeah. (laughs) She's so much cooler than I thought. I mean, I loved her already. Yeah. Wow. She was a weirdo. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. Can you imagine being able to see those things and just be like, why am I seeing this? Or why am I thinking of this person? Well, the, you know, I I did kind of come up with a, I can't come up with an explanation for that. Um, The second one, because it's just, just to like see something and know that something Just have a feeling I need to call Helen. I mean, it's happened to me before where, um, but... Not to that extent. There's it. There was a time I remember in high school where, or no, I was out of high school. Hmm. Alarms, good. Great. Um, I was out of high school, but I had a nightmare. It was the first snow of the year, and I had a nightmare about, and it wasn't anything. There was like blood in the snow, and I heard someone in the dream, and there, there was like lights shining on the snow, and there was blood in the snow, and I heard someone saying. I hit a deer, and um, I was woken up. I was staying the night at my boyfriend's at the time, and I was woken up. He was getting a phone call, and it was pretty early. It was like 7 a.m. or something, and he was getting a phone call, and as soon as I woke up, I, like, put my hand on his arm because I knew that someone was hurt or dead. Like, I just knew that, and uh, he did. He got a call, and the call was to tell him that his friend was... Uh, riding a snowmobile, like, on the highway, or trying to pass the highway in yeah. the snow, 
uh, or four wheeler or something. I guess it wasn't a snowmobile. This is Illinois. Yeah. Um, and Everyone was hit by a car. Oh and gosh. they died. And it was his friend. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, you had seen that. Yeah. And the scariest thing was, was that uh, another friend of his actually was the one that like pulled up on the scene. He saw a car was pulled over with their flashers on. And uh, he pulled over because it was snowing pretty heavily. And he pulled over to find out what was wrong. And there was a woman and she was like completely frazzled. And she told him, I think I hit a deer. And you had seen that. And it was his friend. His friend was dead. Two guys, actually. One was his, like, really good friend, and then the other guy he knew, but... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So See, that you, was one of those This times has happened to you on like, multiple occasions where your dream has come to reality in some way. So you definitely see things in dreams. The spider. The spider. <laughs> one, that weird murder that you saw that... The murder that I saw, though, happened before. I dreamed it after. Oh, that's true. But yeah. even so, you see you Sorry, see listeners, you'll find out about this... Uh, later. It's still to come. <laughs> um, still to come. Still streams. to come. Yeah, so just stuff like that where it's like you just know. Like mm. as soon as his phone, like that could have just been a nightmare, but as soon as his phone was ringing, I you immediately knew. put my hand on him because I was like, this is bad news. I don't know what the news is, but I know. Honestly, I thought that someone in, close to him had died in a car accident where they hit a deer. Uh-huh. I couldn't have imagined that his friend had been hit. By right. car, but man, yeah, it's pretty nice. But me and Lucille, I know me and Lucille rubbing elbows. No, the thing about Lucille, the first story though, so it didn't really explain. Okay, the first story I could actually get because uh, when you lose something, if you can remember when you lost it, if you can go retrace your steps, mm-hmm. and I don't mean retrace your steps like physically to be like here in your mind, here, imagine, but like been. to um, get in that same mindset. Sure, you can remember stuff that you. That's like uh, when people uh, experience trauma and they have memory loss when they're taken back to the place that they experienced the trauma. It ignites something. Something happens. They can that's remember. True. Um, and she did. Her she exact did mention, pattern. yeah, that she had eaten hamburger patties, mm-hmm. potato salad, sliced tomatoes. I am so hungry. That sounds so good. Yeah, that sounds and, delicious. Um, and then went for a walk, which is exactly what she right. did that night. She's and repeating it. She remembered. She, like, saw. But the thing that doesn't make sense is she said she saw it in the bottom of a potato sack with, like, old shitty potatoes in it. Right. And hadn't she just made potato salad And she had just made potato again. salad, yeah. which... So I and she said I don't have any idea how it could get, have gotten in there. Right. It could have gotten in there if like when she was making potato salad, she reached her hand in her and her wing fell, fell off. off. But I don't know if this was like an old sack of potatoes that right. she hadn't been in. Sure. That's yeah, that that thing. part is a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, you're exactly right. I think yeah. if you repeat a pattern that you had done, yeah. then of course a memory will come yeah. back. As soon as you're walking out the door, I'll be like, "It's oh. in the sack of potatoes." It's in the sack of it's potatoes. It's in the sack. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. The car accident one is crazy, though. Yeah, it's bonkers. Wow. Um, that's all the stories I have. That's, that's all the stories, stories I have. Oh Another successful listener Another ghost success. stories. Episode. Thank you guys um, for sending them in. Yes, thank you. Continue it. Again, Send it can more. be anything. doesn't have to be ghosts. can be weird stuff like that. Yeah. I had a dream about a potato sack. <laughs> and turns out, bleep lorp. I don't know. Blorp, um, Yeah, any mysterious happenings, mm-hmm. anything you can't explain, any run-ins with murderers. Yes. 
All kinds of things. Please and, tell us. Um, and uh, join us next week. Uh, Lauren and I are going to sit down for our first Ask a Weirdo episode. Uh, every once in a while, we're going to be coming at you with an advice episode. So send us your weird questions. Maybe you have a weird habit. Maybe you know someone with a weird habit. Um, ask us for advice about sleep paralysis, ASMR, how to act around your weird coworker, strange encounters with your weird neighbor, um, how to cope with embarrassing child or pet behavior. <laughs> anything. It can literally be It anything. can be anything. Um, it could uh, involve weird stuff, or maybe you just want to ask us advice because we sound like really... Um, Qualified people. Qualified people to help you. Which we're not. We're not. All I've had to eat today is a cup of coffee and half a mango LaCroix. I'm not a person that should be giving advice, but I'm going to give it anyway. Yeah, we don't really know how to be people, but we're going <laughs> to give you our give thoughts you anyway. We're going to thoughts Send your questions to keepitweirder at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and rate our show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Keep It Weirdcast and our Facebook page Keep It Weird. And until next time, hail to the guardians of the watchtowers of the north by the powers of Mother and Earth. Hear us. I invoke the metal. I invoke the metal. I invoke the metal. And keep it weird. What did they say? What Casper, the friendly ghost, the friendliest ghost you know. Oh, you know. I was going to say in town. It is you know. It's not in town. Friendliest ghost in town. The friendliest ghost around. I think it's you know. You're correct. I think it's you know. You're right.